Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling a letter that came in through the mailbag that, I have to be honest, completely caught me by surprise. They sent me an email and said, hey, I joined this practice and I am shocked that there's not soap notes for our charts. And at first I read this and I thought, oh, well, are, what format are they using? Are they using chronological format? Are they just not using soaps? Maybe the doctor went to a school where they learned something besides soap. I don't know. I thought, thought that's a little different. But um, so I sent an email back and I got a clarifying email back who said, no, no, um, it's not only that we're not using the soap format, like we are using the soap format, but really like the charts are just aren't getting written up. Like patients come in and it says, here for an exam and then there's not a whole lot of notes or they come in for a surgery and there is more details, but it's not in the soap format. It might be written up on an anesthesia sheet or something like that. And it sounds like this practice is doing awesome medicine and yet the charts are a hot mess. And I have to tell you, uh, there's not a lot of messages that I've gotten in the mailbag that have caught me off guard, but this one definitely did. And I couldn't wait to dive into this conversation with Andy. This is going to be a fun one. Let's get into it, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie. Write this down, Goss. <laughs> Tell yourself I love you, and I don't want you to go. Write oh. this down. Some <laughs> Alan Jackson from the 90s. I love it. It makes my me so wife, happy. My wife is very cosmopolitan. She is a college professor. She loves some Alan Jackson. Heck I mean, yeah. it just it just comes out of her. And, you know, if Who I put on some Alan Jackson. Some Alan Jackson? Oh, yeah. She dances around the kitchen to Alan Jackson. I, I It's so silly. And I, God, I love it so much. I, I love that. That makes me like Allie even more. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, you know, it's funny. Anyway, it's, it's, it's those um, little things, you know what I mean, in life yeah. where you know about people and, and you just, I, I swear, you know, like, I uh, I think about that sometimes, and I'm like, uh, when I when I die and people come together as, as for a funeral, I want people to talk about the quirky things that I do, <laughs> like dance to Alan Jackson in the kitchen, because I think that's how, I think that's how you really know people. You know sure. what I mean? I yeah. I think that's who people really are, and I think we talk a lot about these formalities, but I think I think a story that captures a little piece of who somebody is, I think that's just magic. I I, I love those stories. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, I, I think about that sometimes of like what stories or what little what quirks people, really yeah. encapsulate my wife or my kids. And, and anyway, it's just Alan it's Jackson. Stuff. I love so it. Funny. It's because uh, it. we listened to that when we were dating. And so it's one of those <laughs> things that always sticks around, you know. So funny. Oh, that's fantastic. How's it, uh, how's it going? It's it's crazy. Today's uh, half day of school. Yeah. So I've been running around. You know, I was like, I took kids to school and then I turned around and I went back and got the kids again. Yes. And I was like, why do we do this? And it's, it's because like legally they have to be at school for like three yes. hours to get credit for a day. And so they're like, we're, the school board's phoning it in. They're like, they're three they're hours done. and eight minutes. They were at school. Killing it. I spent I spent three hours and 12 minutes That's in the so car funny. line uh, right? and dropping off and picking up. But, you know, whatever. Anyway. 
Oh man. Yeah. That was, uh, that was me last week. I'm, I am glad school is done. Report cards have been had like lockers have been cleaned out. It's, uh, it feels good to be on summer break. Oh man. You know, time marches on, uh, you know, it's just, we, and we're into the summer and the kids yeah. are like, the swimming pool is open. And it's just, there's funny things like that in life that are, that are signs of the season. You know, yeah. uh, just uh, we we were cutting up watermelon for Memorial Day and eating it. And I was like, I guess it's summertime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I am. I love this topic that we're going to talk about today. I'm super pumped one. about this. Uh, we got a mailbag question. And this is uh, funny because I actually had to go back to the mailbag writer multiple times and ask clarifying questions. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I want to make sure that I actually have the whole story. Yep. Here. <laughs> yeah. This one's um, hard to believe. This one's hard. Like, yeah, this one's hard to believe in its entirety. Okay. I was, I was shocked. And I was just like, I'm sorry, what? Um, so we got a mailbag question from somebody who's been in the field for a really, really long time. They had been a manager and uh, wanted to cut back. And so they've been working reception. And uh, so they've been at the front desk and they joined a new practice. And since joining that practice, they found themselves very shocked because apparently uh, the practice actually doesn't really write soap notes. And I thought, oh, well, maybe maybe it's just learning a new practice management software. Like maybe they're putting it in a different place yeah. um, because, the, because the comments were like, you know, sometimes there's communication notes and sometimes there's info attached to the surgery. Um, but overall, a lot of the times it's missing information and we get calls from other vets in the area, um, the ER specialists, et cetera. Um, and we get calls from insurance companies who are like, Hey, we need more info. And, uh, this manager was, or this, uh, writer said, you know, I find myself having to say, I'm sorry, like, that's all we have on this record. And so they were saying, I feel like I know legally what's required, but I'm not sure. Do I even bring this up? Am I just not knowing where things live. And so we went back and forth and I was asking some questions and I was like, well, you know, every practice management software does it differently and has their SOAP format set up differently. And so I said, is this, a, you know, is this, is this really that it's just maybe it's hidden? Like, but um, as it turns out, no, they actually, they actually just really um, don't, aren't writing up charts. Um, yeah. And really the focus is on capturing some surgical notes, but the, the, kind of the standards um, or what we would assume to be standards uh, seem to be missing. And so they were like, I don't want to step on anybody's toes because I'm just a part of the front desk team here. I'm not the manager, um, but I feel like this is really wrong and it really bothers me. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, I feel like we're practicing a good level of medicine and a quality level of medicine. And at the same time, it really concerns me that nothing is getting written down yeah <laughs> so they were like what do I, how do i even approach this yeah when i when i first saw this and, and they were like oh they don't write down soap notes and i was like what format do they use then right. it's like <laughs> no no like no it's not that they don't write down soap notes it's that they don't write down notes that was uh, that was that, the first response i had to them i was like are they using you know problem-oriented yeah, like, 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 <laughs> yeah and yeah are they just writing paragraphs like no right Nope. Um, and, and then also, you know, examples, examples, examples of the type of, of, you know, records that are there are things like spade and right. the date and yes. that's it. Like that's the record. Spade. Yes. Um, yes. and so, so that, that's what, that's the, what we're talking about here, yes. uh, guys. So anyway, <laughs> I, um, 
there's <laughs> so let's just say for the record both andy and i were mind boggled <laughs> i was yeah i had to guess for a little bit <laughs> I, yeah, it's 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 like it's like an ugly truth that you kind of knew, but you didn't really want to believe was there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't know of a, of a good analogy to give other than like like I just all I this when I really think about it, am I surprised that there are practices like this out there? No, no. but I no. don't want to believe that uh -huh. there are. You know, right. Um, yeah, no, not at yeah, all. No. Like I, I think about it and I think about when I started in veterinary medicine and I haven't been in veterinary medicine as long as our mailbag writer. And so it didn't surprise me because I think back to my first clinic and like, you know, that kind, we had paper charts and you were writing everything by hand. Right. And yeah. so it, there was a lot of shorthand and a lot of shortcuts. And it was like, here's the date. They're here to be spayed. You know, our records had more info about, you know, anesthesia and suture and stuff like that. But it compared to what technology makes happen easily now uh, with hybrid records or with uh, completely paperless records, it is amazing to me how little we did back then. And so when I read this, like you, I kind of was like, it feels like an ugly truth. But then my thought was, well, I could totally see some practices where there is an older generation of veterinarians who when they went to school and mm. and you know learned like that was what they were doing and i could totally see where i mean in veterinary medicine there how many things do we do in our practices every day that we're doing them because that's the way we've always done it right so like mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of see this being one of those things where if we have an older generation veterinarian where that's how they've always done it like i could see that being the case and yet at the same time i was really shocked because i was like they're they're not right nothing not 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 suture not you know are there yeah. any problem not anesthesia notes not not really nothing just the date and that they're here to be spayed like that's what you get yeah uh, so yeah it was it was surprising well so i want to talk i want to talk about this and then i want to add a little bit of nuance to it and talk a little bit about the practice that writes up most things okay but not all the things like there's way more unwritten charts than you would like uh, because I feel like this is an extreme case and, and it's going to let us really sort of tee up in a couple of ways. But but I don't think that most practices are at a help me. We don't have medical records. I think most are at I have a doctor that doesn't do medical records and all the other yes. doctors do or, um, yes. you know, or we, we're pretty lax about it. And, and we miss a lot of charts that don't get written up. And that bothers me. So yeah. I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to address this problem, but also lean a little bit more towards those shades of gray, you know, less extreme cases, because I think yeah. that's where most of our uh, listeners who wrestle with these problems are going to live. OK, that sounds good. So where right. do we where do we start? I think we start with headspace. Um, I think we start with headspace and kind of, you have to get your head around it. So you're, let's just say that you're working at a practice where this is happening mm -hmm. uh, to some degree, whether it's every record or, or some records. I, I think I think the first thing is that you need to figure out how you feel about this because yeah. it is going to affect what you do yeah. from here. Yeah. So, when we talk about headspace and I would talk to this person, now this person is reaching out and they are a paraprofessional. They've been a manager and they are working as a paraprofessional. Yeah. Uh, not, not a credentialed vet tech, but, right. but another professional in, in, the, in the practice. I, you know, I had some concern when we started, I was like, oh man, uh, I always, I'm always a little wary that we make a podcast and uh, people are like, oh my gosh, that person is talking about our practice and they'll be right. <laughs> and then I thought about it, like, these people don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> the people who write up zero records, they're not, they're not, they're not listening to this podcast. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain. Uh, 
but except anyway. for the five practices who are listening just went wait are they talking about my practice yeah. oh, no. <laughs> I know. so so anyway let's get our head straight about how do we feel about this now sure. it's an important differentiator because if you are a doctor at this practice that's your license my friend yes and so you need again i'm not telling you what to do but i'm saying you need to have the eyes wide open that if there's no medical record and you get taken before the state board your bum is grass as yes. my dad used to say yes. um and and that's it uh, you're you're toast and and that's not good and honestly i've talked to a number of people i, I talked to them you know i'm very interested in talking to people who sit on the state boards sure. just for the for the kona shame podcast and i'm always just sort of interested in what the experience is like of going to the state board and and what's really kind of going on there because i think it's really important and the number one piece of advice that i have gotten from a half dozen of these people at different states is for god's sakes andy just write down what you do. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing good medicine, just yes. write everything down and you're gonna be fine. Yes. And that is the saving grace. And they say the people who get nailed are the people who don't write anything down. And then and then they got nothing. They got yeah. nothing to fall back on and they're yes. torched. Yes. And so I just go, this is dumb. It's it's just, it's dumb for, it's dumb for, for you as a doctor, it's, it's your license. And even if you're working in a practice where, and this is where, where we're going in the shades of gray a little bit. Let's say that you write up your records, but other doctors in your practice don't write up your records. If there is a case that you're involved in, and then it gets transferred over to them, and then it comes back to you later on, and the whole thing goes sideways yep. and crashes and burns, and you end up at the state board, this is going to make your life significantly harder because there's big holes in the story. Yes. And you might have written everything down, but other people did not. Um, that That's just, that's that's a stress that I don't want. And so eyes wide open. And again, if you're a credentialed vet tech, you're going to feel some of this because you you have a license to, right. to protect. Exactly. And so mm -hmm. you need to be thinking about that. If you're a non-licensed professional, so like this person uh, working up at the front, um, you you know it, it really becomes a, a bit more of you don't have a license on the line or anything like that but you need to think about how you feel about the work that you're doing right. and i i i have a problem working in a place where i'm really embarrassed about something that happens and i just that's mm -hmm. kind of a weird life thing for me sure. is that i don't i'm not a pro i can't tell a lie I'm a terrible liar. I am, I am just, I'm not a secretive person. I, you know, I just, I have a big mouth and I, and I talk a lot. And so uh, my life is just better if I work at a place where I'm proud of what we do and I don't have anything to hide or anything that I'm embarrassed by. And yeah. so I just learned that along the way. And I just kind of go, yeah, I really like to work at a place where I might not, there, every practice has got its flaws, but they're not flaws that bother me deeply. Right. And, and that just makes my life a lot better. And so start, start to have those thoughts about what are the repercussions here? And do I feel good participating in a hospital where this is happening? And, you know, it would bother the heck out of me yeah. to send records to another practice and have them say things like, is that it? Is this yeah. all you have? Mm -hmm. And you're yeah. like, um, yeah, that's all we have. Like, that would bother me every time I did it. Or even even if they didn't call and I faxed it, I would still send the fax being like, I'm feeling embarrassed about what I'm sending to you. That would, mm -hmm. it would just nag at me. 
Well, and I think that's why our writer wrote in, right? Like they are the ones answering the phone and talking to clients and talking to the insurance company when they call and the other vets clinics who are like, what that that's it like we what we can't do anything with this we need more information and they feel like they are the ones answering the phone so they are the gatekeeper and uh, you know coming from the front desk like i want to do my job and when i whenever i felt like i i wanted to support my team and so for me i would do everything possible to try and find the information myself before i had to ask somebody else on the team And it would have driven me absolutely bananas if I constantly had to go ask somebody else, hey, what'd you do on this case? Hey, what'd you do with this patient? Like the fact that I couldn't just look it up, even if it was a paper chart, the fact that I couldn't look it up and say, oh, yes, Mrs. Smith, I see that this was the medication that we, you know, gave Fluffy. Like the fact that I couldn't answer simple questions like that would drive me absolutely nuts. There's no way that I would want to work in a practice like that. Yeah. I agree. So, so that's, so that's the big part of my headspace is what is, what is the risk to you mm-hmm. and what are you willing to tolerate? And, and, and then sort of the step beyond that is to start to say, okay, what level of action am I deciding to take here? And to me, there's a sure. couple of different things you could do. You could say nothing. Um, if you say, Hey, I'm not a doctor and I'm part-time here and they haven't asked me what my opinion is and you know and and I'm just going to do my job and 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 go on I I think that that's a choice that you can make and a lot of people would make that choice and just say hey I'm going to believe that they know something that I don't and you know and they're they're the ones who have licenses on the line and so I'm going to go on I think you could do that and I think a lot of people would do that I think more people probably most people would fall into the next two categories, which is uh, I'm going to say something and then I'm going to sleep soundly because I said it. Sure. And, you know, and they, they may totally ignore me, but I am going to go on record saying I am bothered by this. I have concerns about this and I just wanted to bring it to your attention or making sure. some sort of a conversational, uh, you know, point with the manager, with the owner. But I am going to bring this up so that I have the peace of mind that said that I saw this and I said something about it. And I think that for me is uh, the easiest position as far as balancing what I feel is personal responsibility and right. feeling like I'm doing the good thing and also accepting that I'm not the boss here and I have very little power and no one asked me for input, but I'm still, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this up and then they can, I can't make them do anything with it, but I will at least have a clear conscience. And then I will continue to say, am I comfortable here? You know what I mean? If I bring it up and they don't do anything, maybe I go, I don't like this, bo- it still bothers me. And, I, and and if it bothers, you know, it continues to bother me or there was another instance. And usually what will happen is there's an instance, there's something that happens that really shines the spotlight right on it. You know, right. and then you go, I don't, I'm not doing this anymore. And and then the, then the last level is to say, I'm not messing around with this. That, that thing has already happened and I'm really bothered and I'm going to go and I'm going to tell them I'm planning to leave because of this sure you know and if you convince me that things are going to change in the next 30 days i'll consider staying around but unless there you convince me there's a significant change coming i i'm i'm going and i want you to know why i'm going and, yeah. and you can do that and that's that's not wrong either so so all of those things and this all fits into the into the degrees if you're working at the practice and, and one of the doctors occasionally forgets to write up their notes i'm probably not going to go and give an ultimatum right. that i'm going <laughs> to leave you know what i mean i'll right i will pick one of the top two you know um right if if you're at a place where it it 
it happens all the time. You know, that that's gonna that's gonna influence us. So so there's degrees and nuance in, in in which of these sort of paths you take. But I really think that those are your three options. I agree. I agree with that. I think the other thing from Headspace perspective for me too, probably before I even start figuring out for myself where where does my head land on it is you got to assume good intent because if you're coming at this from the space of like they're doing this intentionally for a bad reason you're probably going to approach it in the more towards the latter right which is i don't like this and i'm just gonna just gonna quit and like i've had people leave the practice because they felt strongly about something, but they didn't ever ask any of the questions. And when I found that out after the fact, like I wish they would have asked the questions. Um, but I think it, when we get into that headspace of like, I, I assume that they're doing this for a reason and it's, it, it's really easy to spiral yourself in a negative way. I think if you don't assume good intent. And, and so the second part for me is get curious and ask those questions. And so before I like started tackling it, I would want to make sure. Um, and again, this is just, just me, but like I would want to make sure. Am I am I missing some? Like, could I be missing something here? Are we recording stuff? Like, are they doing a surgery sheet and maybe they're writing all their notes on there and it's supposed yeah. to like go in the chart, but it's not like part of the chart. No, you know what I mean? Like, I would start to ask those questions of of like, am I missing anything? What are we doing and why are we doing it? And I would, I mean, use being new to your advantage. This is where you say, I just want to make sure that I really understand. Help me yeah. understand this. Can you? tell me how this is supposed to look because i feel like based on my previous experience and other practices this feels very different i wouldn't say like i feel like there's lots of things missing i i would probably lean into the middle just like i feel like there's i feel like it feels pretty different and i want to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it right and asking those kind of questions to make sure that you have all of the answers um, you know, we, when I went back to our mailbag writer and I was like, D is it possible that they just haven't shown you where this stuff <laughs> lives? Like, is it, really, is, yeah. it really can't be that the charts are empty. Right. Um, and so I think that's for me, it's about assuming that good intent and, and getting curious and asking a lot of questions, because I think you're going to need to ask those questions and maybe not, maybe your mind is already made up and you could figure out which level of Andes you, you sort into, but I, it totally makes sense to me, Andy, that that's your, your next step, right. Is what are you willing to tolerate? What are you willing to live with and then what what level are you falling into are you just gonna put your head down and do your job because you decided you don't care about it or do you care and you're either gonna say something so you can sleep at night or you're gonna say something and say this i feel really strongly about this and if this doesn't change here is you know here's how i, I need to move forward for my for my own personal yeah. um satisfaction to me, to me, that's two. There's two things in what you said, and I think you're spot on with both of them. But I, I, I separated these out. So the first thing, the headspace thing for me is in your mind, consider the idea that you are missing something, mm -hmm. that there's something that you not, not, not you're you're making yourself believe, but genuinely, right. this seems weird to me. Sure. And rather than just assuming it's not getting done, let me let me just assume that there's a it's possible that something else is happening that right. I'm not aware of, especially being a, a new person. Yeah. And so doing that and just going, I, I mean, I could be wrong on this. That is going to affect how you think about it and how you talk about it and you approach it. And that type of curiosity on yourself tends to make your conversations with other people go better you right. know what i mean because you're mm -hmm. genuinely just saying i just want to make sure i'm not missing anything here yep. um and, it, and it, it takes the um 
it takes the danger or the fear or the stress out of it for you and go, I don't know, I don't know, I could, I could, I could be missing something here. And yep. so in your own mind saying, uh, maybe I've been set up to fail. Right. Maybe I, maybe I am just not aware of this. I think that's a great, healthy headspace to be in. The, the why I say it's two things is one is you do that to yourself in your own mind. And then the first action step for me is asking the question. Yeah. And so when Got we it. go to engage, I would start with that curiosity and that's how I would engage. You. Got it. Okay. But, I like it. Uh, well, that's that's what I got for headspace. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should we uh, should we take a break and then come back and talk about how do we how do we actually ask questions yeah, about this without going what the heck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. And, and yeah, I we'll we'll start with the question and we'll wind up from there. Okay. I love it. Hey everybody, this is Stephanie and I'm gonna jump in here for one quick second and make sure that you know about a few things that are coming up that I'm pretty sure you're not gonna wanna miss. But before I do that, I have to say thank you. Thanks to a generous gift from our friends at Banfield Pet Hospital, we are now able to provide transcripts for all of our podcast episodes and we have to just say thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Andy and I have wanted to make the podcast more accessible and when we were pondering the idea of how do we make transcripts a thing, our friends at Banfield stepped up in a big way and said, hey, we are striving to increase accessibility and inclusivity across the profession. This fits with that mission for us and we would love to sponsor it. So the 2022 podcast episodes are all now being transcribed and brought to you by our friends at Banfield Pet Hospital. To check out the transcript and find out more about what Banfield is doing to increase accessibility and inclusivity across the vet profession, head over to unchartedvet.com forward slash blog, and you can find each one of the podcast episodes and a link to find out more about equity, inclusion, and diversity at Banfield. And now, hey, party people, I am going to jump in here for one quick second and make sure that you know about a workshop that is coming up. It is called Navigating Neurodiversity, Your Clients, Coworkers, and Self. And it is with the amazing Dr. Amanda Doran. Amanda is an Uncharted member. She is a wonderfully kind and funny person. And she is going to be leading us through a conversation about learning how to navigate interactions with different individuals and creating a culture within our practices that is both supportive of and inclusive of neurodiversity. It is a really, really important topic. It is one that I think needs to have a lot more discussion in veterinary medicine. And we are really excited to be bringing this one to you. It is happening on July 27th. It is a 7 p.m. Eastern session. So it is two hours. It will be over at 9 p.m. Eastern, which means 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And it is $99 for members of the public. And it is free as always for our Uncharted members. And this workshop is awesome. We also have uh, more coming up throughout the summer and the calendar at unchartedvet.com forward slash events is constantly being updated. I encourage you, if you are not currently an Uncharted member to head on over to the website, check out what's coming up and remember that all of our workshops like this are free for our Uncharted members. And now back to the podcast. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, taking action on this. Okay. All right. So uh, as I said uh, before the break, I think the first action step is, is to ask is to ask the question. It's to be curious. I think this is a really uh, low stakes way. And you know, I'm all about lowering the stakes. Mm -hmm. It's having low stakes conversations that don't feel scary to people. Right. Uh, 
but still introduce important ideas into their mind, hopefully in a way that they will realize what is going on and parse through the possible implications and decide to make an idea and a plan and take action on it. Mm -hmm. And so going in and, and genuinely going with curiosity and going to the manager and saying, hey, I may be totally missing something. And I just I just want to understand mm -hmm. and just make sure I'm not missing anything. And I, I love that opening phrasing. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. I just want to make sure I understand. That yeah. is a very disarming phrase. Mm -hmm. And so then I would show the manager one of the medical records and say, yeah. hey, this I just got a call about this person's records. And when I look at them, these are the only things that I'm seeing. And I have sent some of these to practices before and they call and ask if there's more and I tell them that there's not but I just want to confirm is this really all that we have on these cases yeah is there somewhere else I should look and and honestly anyone with half a brain is going to read between the lines right what I'm saying is I've been doing this a long time and this is this really <laughs> what we're doing here right. And right. honestly, their reaction will tell you a lot. If they get really defensive really fast, you just learned a lot. Yes. And if they say, yeah, what what else would be there? Then I go, okay, this person does not, this person needs some education on yes. what good medical records look like. But what am I dealing with here? Am I dealing with somebody right. who's given up? Am I giving, dealing with someone who um, just doesn't know any right. better? Right. I, if I had to bet, and again, this is a hundred percent just instinct. I could completely be wrong on this, but if I had to bet, I wouldn't be surprised if they closed the office door <laughs> and said to you, let me tell you a story about how we got here. <laughs> and then they tell you about the battles that they fought and lost spectacularly trying to get people to do what they're supposed to do. I would right. not be surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think that is a good, a good call. And, and I think, I think part of it too is um, it's a little bit headspace, but also for me, a little bit action, which is like, look, we, we recognize that not every, like you said, not everybody loves to write records and there's always going to be people that write more and less. Right. But at the end of the day, yeah. the written records are, 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 there, there are patients, right? Like there are patients in paper form. So, you know, Fluffy can't get on the stand in front of a medical board or Fluffy can't get on the phone and talk to Mrs. Smith about why something was or wasn't done for her. Only, only our records can do that. And our, and our team accessing those records. Right. And so I, I, from the headspace perspective, I think thinking about it, from very much for any member of your team, you should be able to pull the lever here about pet care and patient care and wanting to take care of our patients and make sure that we're doing right by them. Because this writer was like, look, they're, they're practicing a, a level of medicine that I agree with and I believe in. I just don't understand why there's <laughs> no record of that. And so I think this for me, when addressing it, like you said, whether you're, you're asking the questions, um, openly with that and they're answering them openly or whether you're having that closed door conversation learning the background the ability to be able to say i want to you know i want to take care of fluffy and i love your example of being able to say i you know i just got a call about this record here's what i'm seeing and this isn't the first time and this is how i've answered it in the past but i could be missing something i really want to make sure that i'm not 
Mm-hmm. Um, because then if they tell you, no, there's nothing else, like that is what it is. Like you said, you have now learned a whole lot and it makes your, I think makes your moving in the headspace about how do you make decisions a whole heck of a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And if you do get more information and more background, and maybe it's like, we have fought these battles and we have, we have, you know, this is, this is the background on it. It's still thinking about it from the patient perspective. I would still be willing to go to bat and, and do that battle over again from the perspective of, I want to help us take care, really good care of our patients and being at the front desk. Like, I really believe that this is our ability to speak for, for fluffy, right? Like this is my way of being able to help her. And so I want to, I want to help us get, um, you know, get a better, get in a better frame of mind or be in a better place to be able to answer questions that people are asking us. How can I help with that? Right. Like it helps bridge that gap between asking the questions and asking for change um, and coming at it from that place of patient care. And I can't imagine, even if you have a super old school veterinarian who didn't have to write massive records when they went back to school and is like, it's my practice. This is the way we're doing it. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. I still think that I would feel good about having a conversation with that veterinarian and saying, I know you care about your patients and I want, I I care about our patients too. And this is why I'm struggling because I view this as us taking care of the patients. And when it's missing, this is, it makes it really hard for me to help support you. Right. Like, and I don't think that you could say that to anyone, even that, that veterinarian that I'm picturing in my head and not have them go, Hmm, maybe that's something I should think about. (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, so I, I 100% agree with where you're coming from, but but I would counsel here a little bit of um, a little sleight of hand. You know, I, I agree okay. with, with where you're coming from and your motivations, and a, and a promise that we're going to get there, but it's not going to look like that's where we're going for a minute. So just just bear with me and, and say, trust me when I say that's where we're going. Okay. Um. All right. <clears throat> so we go into the practice manager, and I would start with the practice manager because it's their job to manage the practice and so especially if this if this seems routine uh then i would say this is the way our practice functions if it's not routine even then i might still i would still go to the practice manager because if it's the practice manager's job i assume the practice manager's job is to oversee medical record quality and medical record systems like that Mm -hmm. that in and unless you've got some weird job descriptions that tends to fall into their purview so even if it's one doctor and i had concerns or questions i would still probably go talk to the manager Sure. And, and and here's the thing, okay? So so file this away, my friends. <clears throat> Doctors can take critiques of their medical records very personally, in my experience. And the reason is they they feel like a criticism of their records is a criticism of their medical competence. And again, right. it de- it depends on the individual, and that's not everybody. And I I would not have a problem with someone critiquing my medical records and I'm happy to talk about it and, and listen and, and and always try to get better. And, and I can also defend defend my position and why I write what I write and, and things like that. Sure. So I, I, but I'm happy to have that conversation because I'm not I'm not super insecure about that stuff. Right. Um, but other people are not that way. And there are some people and we all know doctors who yes. can't take being criticized before yes. they they really it really hits them and they get real defensive real fast. And sure. so I what I, I want to avoid ending up in an old West style shootout with a doctor in the street. You know what I mean? Where they're standing at one end with their hands on the pistols and I'm standing and they're like, draw. Like, I, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want to shoot out <laughs> with them over this thing. I, I, I want to, I want to be smart in how I introduce this and I want 
to get heard and I want to understand what's going on. And so I go to the practice manager and I ask the questions and say, help me understand, is this going on? You know, and, and they may close and you guys see what happens. They might close the door and say, I cannot get these doctors on board. And then they'll, they'll just tell you what the, what the, what the problem is or what the holdup is. Mm -hmm. They might just act like, no, this is, this is what we do and it's totally fine. If they don't tell me what the holdup is, uh, I want to find out what the holdup is, right? This is called, called root cause analysis. Before I make any sort of a statement or a stand, I really need to know where this is coming from and why it's coming from so I can know what I'm up against before mm -hmm. I take mm -hmm. a before I take a stand. I just need to know where is the pressure going to come from and, and what's it going to look like. And so I am going to, um, if they tell me, hey, this is, this has come down from the doctors and I can't do anything about it. I'm going to say, why? Why is this coming down? Why do they feel that way? What do they say when you talk to them about it? What is their concern? What seems to be the pushback? And I'm pumping the manager for information because I want to understand, like, why is this happening? Help me understand. If, if I don't get that volunteered information from the manager and they sort of say, well, you know, this is this is just what we do or that's who the doctor is or thing or it's just, you know, they indicate to me that they don't think it's worth the effort to try to correct this. I I I want them to understand my why in asking, you know, and so one way this conversation ends is I go and say, hey, is this right? And they're like, yeah, that's what we do. Not a big deal. That's just how we handle it. And then, and then the, the conversation stops. And so I, sure. I don't I don't want that. So I needed to keep going. Remember, when we start to talk about things like medical records, honestly, a lot of these things, uh, there are some people who will be motivated by data and you can talk to them about AHA standards and you can talk to them about state regulations and you can pull that stuff out if it's important to you and say, well, you and I know the state of South Carolina says this or I know that AHA has these things in their guidelines. I suspect this is not an AHA practice uh, right. <laughs> given the fact that they don't write any medical records. And so I that's know not super that motivating. this is not an uh, AHA practice. <laughs> yeah, that's not super motivating. Right. I, uh, I think I would probably go in and they say, well, you know, that's just what we do. And I'll say, you know, I worked at a practice one time and two doctors got called into the state board. And I remember uh, the person, the pet owner was really adamant that they had done something wrong and they had not done anything wrong. But I remember uh, there was a man and a woman. I remember the man lost 20 pounds in, in the four to six weeks before he got cleared. And they, they looked awful sure. every day because they went through this stress and they had good records. And I've heard that that is the number one thing that saved them and saved other people. And so I would really reconsider this. I'm just, I'm really worried about what would happen to the doctors given what I've seen before. Right. And so that, that's me trying to get them to engage in the conversation. If they still blow it off, then I'm going to say this person does not want to, they don't want to engage with me. Right. Right. But Ultimately, I'm trying to explain to the person I'm talking to, hey, this scares me, not bothers me, not makes me angry, not in a judgmental way. I'm not saying this is this is shoddy medicine. Right. This is inappropriate. Now, it might be and we can come around to that. But at least in getting the conversation open, I want to use non-judgmental language, which is I'm not saying these guys are bad. I'm not saying they're not doing good medicine. I am saying that I've had friends who went through this and they uh, were saved because of their records. And I don't think it would have gone well at all for the doctors here because of this stuff. 
And it's really just about trying to keep the conversation as productive and as possible and not trigger that defensiveness. And again, I'm using that to try to get this person engaged so I can understand what is the hangout uh, here? Is it that it takes too much time? Is it that the the doctors don't like the medical record system? Or was there a plan that we were going to have scribes and we never got them? I, what, I don't know what's right. going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that makes total sense to me. And I think, um, I think the trying to, trying to get on their side and being able to have that conversation about knowing what can happen as a result, um, is, is super, um, a super impactful tool and a good one to pull out of your toolbox, right? Because you do care about them. Like you're, sure. you're enjoying your job. You want to work here. You believe they're practicing a good quality of medicine. You just need to understand what is, what is happening here because you don't want them to not be able to defend themselves, whether it's to an owner or to an yeah. insurance company or to the board. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Like you don't want to feel powerless. And so, uh, you know, for me, I, working at the front desk, uh, the every time I had to have a conversation with a doctor about their medical records, I usually approached it from the place of I want to like I want to help. I don't mm -hmm. want you to have to get on the phone and have this conversation. I want to just have it for you and be able to give Mrs. Smith the answers that she needs. And so I just want to make sure I understand where I get this information from because yep. uh, you know in your head I'm thinking I'm not a mind reader. I can't you know I can't go into Doctor Rourke's head and know what he talked about in the exam room with Mrs. Jones because I wasn't in the exam room. Mm -hmm. But if I could look at a chart and I could read back to her what you recommended, like I can certainly have that conversation and save you <laughs> the half hour on the phone, right? And so I think I think your point about uh, not everybody is that way. There are there definitely are people who will take it. Uh, uh, any question of the medical records as a critique against their medicine is a super valid point. Yeah. Um, and I think it's definitely something that you have to frame, uh, you know, really, really well. And so, you know, it's, it's funny that you um, brought up the AHA standards because that definitely was, was a part of it for me. And I would suspect our, our writer as a previous manager would, would know what some of the resources are, but for any of our listeners out there who are just getting started or, um, or learning like the reality of how do we actually address this is that everybody, I think everybody needs to know that every state is different, right? So every state is going to have actual specific requirements. And so if you're getting curious and you're asking, like you can look it up for yourself and find out what, what does your state practice act or medical act actually say about what your records have to include. And some of the states are super vague. There's not a whole lot there. They've got some, some basic stuff. And then you have other states California was one of them uh, that really lays it out and tells you that you've got you to cross all these T's and dot all of these I's, right? And so I think for, for your own knowledge, like learning what is your state requiring and then looking at what are the AHA recommendations are, are wonderful because they, they do give a great outline and also respect the fact that there is going to be shades of gray because every state is very different, right? And so when I think about learning or coming at it from a gentle perspective, when I think about what what do we do here in our practice? Because every practice is different, right? And every practice within every state is still going to be different. And so I would take being a new member of the team and use that as a tool and be able to say, I want to know where do we record mm -hmm. what medications a pet is on in our records? Where does that go? You know, asking about something like, where do we put what diets a pet is on or medications or, uh, you know, their vaccine history, like, asking it from that place of cure coming at it from that place of curiosity and asking 
I want to understand how we are doing things here. It's it goes back to what you um, were talking about earlier, asking the question in a very um, gentle way, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm not accusing them of not putting it in there. I want to make sure I'm not missing something, and I want to make sure I know where this goes here in our records within this practice, which feels very different than saying. I know that our state requires that we record this information. I'm not seeing it in the record. What am I missing? Mm. Right? Like those are two very, very yeah. different conversations. They're both, yeah. they're saying the exact same thing, but it feels very different to the person who is receiving. Yeah. I agree. That question. There's, there's two, there's two types of presentations that we want to do. And so the first one is the gentle presentation that's meant to not feel, um, to not put them on the defensive. And the second presentation, which we'll have going on, especially this is a great conversation if we're going to talk to the specific doctor, is, um, you know, I might have strong feelings about patient care when I look at medical records, and those are very, very valid. And I might mention those feelings. But to me, the most effective way to have conversations like this, we're talking about changing behavior, is to talk about what the person who's doing the behavior cares about. Right. And so, for example, when we talk about medical records, things that motivate doctors would be, in some cases, patient care. And not the patient care of the doctor, but I would make the case, hey, when we transfer patients, uh, you know, other other doctors don't know what your plan was. Sure. And they're not and they're not carrying out your plan. And so you can see that that's still that's not a very critical approach. It is a benefits approach of, hey, we want other doctors to be able to follow suit with with what with what you had planned. Um, your reputation. I, you know, hey, I want to make sure the client because the clients get copies of the records and they call right. for them. And I want I want them to see that they're getting treated. and I want them to see the care that's being offered and what their patient or what their pets are getting mm-hmm. when they come in here. And, and, and I want to make sure that's clear to them. It's, it's the standing in the vet community is, hey, the other vet practices see these and often ask us if there's more information. And, you know, and I, I don't I don't want us to be perceived in negative light with the with the other with the other uh, clinics in the area. There's the right. simpli- there's the simplicity in the life balance argument, which is, hey, I want you to be able to go and be off and not have people calling you and asking you about what uh, what your plan was. I want you just to be able to 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 lay it down and then to leave and to know that the next person is going to know what the plan is. And also when somebody else doesn't write up the chart or when somebody else has a case, I want you to be able to pick up their chart and have the information that you need to make this job easy and not have you going back and starting over again. And then then the client experience in the exam rooms, like, hey, I want our doctors to be on the same page so that when a client comes in and sees a vet they haven't seen before, that person isn't fumbling around. The the client has confidence in that person that they know what's going on. And so all of those are very soft ways to sort of set this up, but it's all different times away, different kinds of ways to try to get at what that doctor cares about or what's mm-hmm. going to motivate them. But those are those are the things that I that I bring up and I, I'm very selective about what sorts of leverage I try to use to to move the person in that direction. Yeah, I think that makes total sense because who who isn't going to want to hear that somebody else on their team cares enough about them that they don't want them to get called on their day off? Like there, I just feel like there's no defense to that, right? Like even if, even if I'm a doctor and even if I'm the kind of doctor who does have insecurity and feels worried about my medicine being questioned, if you came to me and you said, I, I just want to make sure that you can take, you know, take a day off and we don't have to call you and ask questions. 
I I can't imagine that you could be bothered by that. Yeah. It feels very disarming in a good way. Yeah, I really don't want to go to the state board at all. And if yes. I do, I really want to have great medical <laughs> records. Uh, like, I really want that. And so I am highly motivated by that and also by not getting called on my days off. I really, um, and again, I don't blame doctors who are like, hey, I'm looking at your case. I have no idea what you were thinking or where you were going. What do you have going on? I, I don't blame them for that. Right. And I'm not getting mad. I kick myself for not being like, hey, this is where I just, this is where I am. And this is what the idea is. And if you feel like this idea is not good or you want to try something else out, Godspeed. Yeah. You know, go, yeah, go right. for it. But, but right. at least you know kind of what I was thinking and where I was going. And that was that was two weeks ago. And so you're looking at something totally different now. You have the, the benefit of hindsight that I didn't have. Right. Here's where I was going, but take it, make the call and go on. But you don't need to call me uh, and I don't need to get involved back into this because I, I laid everything down and gave all the information that I had. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I like that. I, I think this is one where, uh, ultimately I think the final answer is you have to pick your poison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think this is one where if you're working in a practice, you, this goes back to your headspace. Like you have to decide where you live. Like, is this, are you okay with this? Are you not okay with it? Are you, going to be able to say something and then sleep at night or do you need to say something and ask for change and what is that change going to be and so i think ultimately though you know we talked about different ways that you can approach it and um you know different levers that we can pull but ultimately at the end of the day i think this is a once you go on your fact-finding mission and you ask good questions and you're coming from that place of curiosity and you're here asking tell me more you know at the end of the day you have to decide if the practice is willing to change or are they not? And if they are great, what do you need the change to look like for you to feel good and sleep at night? And if they are not, what are you going to do about that? You know, what, what, what is going to make you be able to sleep at night? Because the answer may be that you can put your head down and go on from there. And the answer may be that you cannot, and you need to know that and be able to have a plan to move forward because Ultimately, I think you, you're going to have to pick your poison here at the end. Yeah, I think I think that's the advice for everybody, regardless of where they are on that spectrum from right. nothing is written up to once in a blue moon, a chart gets missed. Like, you, you know, the, the steps are still the same of yes. you going through collecting information, figuring out why this is happening, figuring out what the pain points or resistance points are, making a presentation about why why you think this is important or what your concerns are, and then assessing what the response is and deciding how severe a problem this is or, or how strongly you feel i would say to the person writing if you were a doctor or a licensed med tech i would tell you i'd cut run just because i, I would say this is too <laughs> risky this is too risky to my license my, my yes. life i work too hard for this license to yes. um to worry about it getting tanked like this uh and that would just that stress would bother me enough that i would be like hey look there's plenty there's plenty of opportunities for me out there i'll, I'll go somewhere else um that those those are generally my thoughts on that. And again, as a paraprofessional, you have a little bit more leeway because um, no one's expecting you to to make those sort of medical calls. Um, you, but I still think you you just want to think about what's what you need to feel good about the work that you're doing. Because I, I mean, there's nothing worse than going in and not feeling good about what you're doing with your time and energy. Yeah, and and I think that it's also not wrong. That every member of the team contributes to the level of medicine that you practice as a collectively as a group within the practice. And there, yeah. I find nothing wrong 
with the front desk team um, wanting to be active, engaged part of that process. And so I want to interview, especially when I interview people with experience, I want them to tell me what do they, what do they want to be a part of medicine wise? Like that, just because they don't have a license, just because they haven't um, gone to school doesn't mean that they don't have information to share that is important and, and valid. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's good and healthy for the front desk team to think about what level of medicine do they want to be a part of? And that's, you know, when I interview as a CSR or, um, you know, looked for new clinics as I grew in my career, that absolutely was a piece of the interview process for me is t- you know, tell, tell me about your medicine. Tell me about what you're doing. What about your standards of care? Um, you know, I, w- I wanted to see, are, are they using paper charts? Are they using hybrid? Are they using, um, you know, completely paperless? What, what are they doing and how are they doing it? Because at the end of the day, there were things that were important to me that I wanted to have in place to feel like I could go to sleep at night and, and feel good about what I was doing. And that, what that is for everybody is going to be very individual, but there's nothing wrong with asking those, those questions. And I would say you should be asking those questions. Nope. I, I agree. I'm on board. All right. I, yeah, I, th- I think this is, that's good. I think that's the advice that I sort of have. Um, I, love it. I think this is a, a, to some degree, it's a, it's a common uh, pain point for a lot of people, not to this degree, but to, to some degree, it, it definitely is. I, I, I hope that that's been helpful. Listen, I think this is going to be one of those episodes where we're not going to have very many people who are like, are they talking about my practice? But I do think that this is going to be one of those episodes where you step back and say, you know, today I'm going to be happy about the dumpster fire that is my (laughs) practice because there are practices out there that have bigger problems than I do. Yeah, And and sometimes that reminder is just as important. So you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) Awesome. See you, everybody. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.